Nation. What's up, fam? Welcome back to another episode of the Black Girl Fit Files. I am your host, Elijah. What it do, you guys? What it do? Hi. It's been a minute. It has been a minute, and your girl has been all over the place, and summer has just been fabulous. Like, I, I love the, 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 the term of the hot girl summer. I've been really having a hot girl summer. I don't know actually what it means to have a hot girl summer, but I'm just saying my summer has been really great. I don't know if I'm using that in the proper context, but whatever. Um, I've just been traveling for Black Girls Poll. We did the Bermuda retreat. I got back from the Miami retreat, um, and I just really needed some downtime. I really needed some Delijah time to just chill out because preparing for 2020 retreats already, some of them are already up. If you guys haven't checked them out, make sure you go and register. We will be in Grand Cayman Islands next year and we will be in Bermuda and we'll be in New York City and we're going to Brazil. So many things. So yes, I have not been on this show, but I kind of missed you guys. And I just want to say that I have, I feel so happy and so blessed. This has just been a really great season because you guys are showing so much love on this podcast and I cannot thank you enough. Like I just keep getting emails from people saying that they're listening and it it means a lot to me because sometimes when you you put something out there, you're just like, I don't know if people are going to catch this. I don't know if people are going to take it, but y'all are like actually listening and I just get excited. So thank you. Continue to listen. Thank you so much. And uh, make sure you tell people to subscribe and do all of the other things. Um, Black Girls Poll, a huge celebration that I had was our fifth anniversary. It was here in New York City, and it was everything that I could have dreamed of. Uh, My parents came in from Ohio. My aunt was here from Pittsburgh, and the show was so dope. And God is just really funny and amazing because it was the day that we had that huge blackout in New York City. And knocked out lights in Madison Square Garden. J-Lo's concert got shut down. That was on 34th Street. The blackout actually stopped at 30th Street. Like 30th Street. I don't know if you guys know New York City, but it's a grid. So it was on 30th Street. Where I was having my show was on 27th Street. Like three blocks away. But God, that's all I'm going to say. So we the show went on. We had lights. Madison Square Garden didn't have lights. But Delijah and Black Girls Poll had lights. <laughs> but it was just so dope. And I just felt so overjoyed. So just thank you guys again for just supporting BGP and everything that it is and everything that it continues to be. <sighs> All right, y'all. Get ready. Like, turn your headphones up. Put the things down because this episode we are diving in and we are getting so real and we have a super special guest on the show and her name is Kara Stevens and she is the founder of the Frugal Feminista and we're going to all be talking about our finances. Let's get our finances together. It's 2019. The time is now. Hi, Kara. How are you? (laughs) I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited. I am so happy too. Funny story. So... Carrie and I actually met but did not meet at um, a the Boss Magazine event that happened a few weeks ago here in the city by the amazing Leanne Mimbus, who is actually going to be a guest on the show. And um, I applaud you so much for 
reaching out like I like applaud you for that she reached out to me via email just to say like hey girl we didn't meet but just saying hi and this is the you know you didn't even actually say this is the things that I do I started like doing like the stalker search of you and like looking up all the things and I was like yo she needs to be on this podcast like we need to talk about finances here so Kara is here we're gonna dive on in and the first question I actually have for you is who is Kara? Mm. When you asked me that question, I was like, who is Kara? But um, (laughs) succinctly, you know, um, I am a mom, I am a wife, but also I'm the founder of The Frugal Feminista. I'm a brown girl um, all day, every day that really loves black women. And I actually created The Frugal Feminista um, from a deep place of love and advocacy and like a great sense of joy that comes when I think about how brilliant and wonderful we are. And I wanted to use my love of entrepreneurship, my understanding of personal finance, my belief as a woman, a womanist, um, to help intersect all those things and help us understand the power of money, the power of self, and how we can use both to create the lives I want, the lives that we want, um, with a deep understanding of our personal finances. Yes. I mean, that's all we mm-hmm. need to say right there. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So how did you get into... Yeah. Uh, so how did you get into becoming the frugal feminista? Well, I got, I went to Oberlin. I'm not sure if you guys know about Oberlin, very expensive school. And, um, I had debt and I wasn't paying it back. I mean, that's pretty much it. And my mom was looking at me like, you got a lot of problems, girl. And I was like, what? I I always thought like you signed those promissory notes. I didn't think you really had to pay the money back. You know, (laughs) I was like, they want their money back? Get out of here. And also, <laughs> no, it's true. I did not know. And you know, you don't know when you're 17 and when you're 21 and you, no one's ever taught you. You also still don't know. You're like worse. Mm-hmm. And so what I learned was, was that a couple things, my degree, I knew I could read. I knew I could write. I could do research. And there was also the time too, that I was shopping a lot. Um, not like super, like super extravagant, but more than I should have on my mom's credit card. And I wasn't paying those bills either. And it kept on tacking on late fees. And so I had this kind of come to God moment where I was like, wow, these, my balances keep on going up. And I didn't understand. I was like, oh, because I'm not paying it. Like it doesn't go away just because you don't want to pay it. And in fact, it goes up because it keeps on adding late fees. I'm serious. I was like, oh yeah, this is, I kept on like, yo, why they keep on like, stop, stop sending me letters, stop calling, but they won't stop because they want their money. And so um, all that to say, the Frugal Feminista started out of a desperate need for me to get my financial life together. And I remember specifically going one day, and I'm from New York, um, going to the Queen's Central Library, asking for a book about personal finance. And um, they sent me to the personal finance section. And there was this one book, um, Glenda Bridgeforth. I tell the story all the time. Um, there was like, it was like a book called Girl, Get Your um, Your Money Right. Yes, 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 money. yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And I was like, I thought the book was right there, like on the shelf for me, because all the books didn't stand out, the titles didn't stand out. But I was like, this was like a book for Black women about what it means to get your personal finances together from a a, a Black female perspective. And Glenda Bridgeforth is probably like thirty years, forty years a senior now. And so when I started to read that, I took in so much, but then I realized like, wow, she's not talking about like love. She's not talking about, you know, stuff, what it means, what it means to be 20 something and be adrift, you know, like having these degrees and having this debt, wanting love, wanting to travel, you know, and not really knowing how to make it all work. Mm. And so 
I, I started a blog called Girl Get Your Life Together dot blogspot. It was a blogspot like 15 years ago as a nod to her. Um, and just in terms of the title, just to kind of talk about what I was thinking about when it came to money. Like I didn't know the process I was going through to get out of debt, the process of trying to find love, you know, the process of your quarter life crisis, right. the process of travel and wanting to see the world and seeing how other black girls live in other places. And it's having a space where we can talk about, you know, the process, the journey, the vulnerabilities, the challenges, the triumphs in a way that inspired and informed women around my age. And so that eventually became um, Fabulous and Frugal. That was the second name. And then the, the last iteration, which I think really fits me, is the Frugal Feminista. Because I talk about all things relating to being a woman, a black woman, um, and your finances in, in, in a way that is intersectional. You know, yeah. everything's really holistically. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So how do you feel now then versus then when you felt back then like how how do you feel that you have gotten your money right and all of those things that come with it <laughs> i mean i still make mistakes but i do think i have strong understanding because i've taken the time it's been about like uh since the the blog spot it's been about like you know 12 years since i started it um so i do think i took uh, over a decade to figure out what my money was about, what my emotions around money um, mm. were about, and also I've been able to help other people do the same. So it's been it's been a it's been a rewarding, not just for me personally, because I know like how to make a budget. You know what I mean? I know how to live within my means. I know how to check my feelings. I know some of my emotional triggers when it comes to spending or money hoarding, in my case. And so that process has been extremely um, rewarding and. Um, I love where I am financially just in terms of I still have like, you know, sometimes anxiety around certain things or certain right. times of the year, but I'm not perfect. But you know, then I think the whole process helped me realize you don't have to be perfect to be to have financial harmony, yes. you know. And yeah. yeah. And that's where I feel I'm at now, even though I'm you know, I mean, you, you make mistakes like I had an overdraft the other day. I'm not going to lie. Do you know what I mean? They're like, right. do you have enough money in your checking account? Yeah. Mind your business. Do you know I mean, I just forgot to put something in, you know, yes. but, you know, stuff like that. But in general, I don't hold myself um those those feelings of guilt and shame don't hold on to me and keep me from moving forward when I make a financial mistake and I yes. think that's a great to be yeah so I want to talk about one thing so it's so funny that you said this because I feel like at some point all black moms say you need to figure out your finances you know mm -hmm. um but they there's no like teachable moment in that because my mom has said it to me like, Elijah, you need like figure out what you're doing financially. Like, do you have, you know, do you have a retirement? Do you have this? And right. there's something that's, that's missing in that, like that gap of, yes, my parents are telling me to fix the finances and do the things, but the generational, like, like financial curse that has happened, you know, because while they're telling me those things, my parents didn't teach me about, you know, stocks and bonds or, or mm -hmm. how to, to save money. They just said, don't get a credit card because it'll mess up your credit. But right. in all of that stuff, never said, well, this is what the APR is. You don't want to get something that's, the, you know, so like, right. what do right. you, what do you think about the financial scars that black women that, you know, just us as a culture have experienced and how can we break those curses? Right. I you know, there's that saying that um, black women um, 
raise their daughters and love their sons or something like that. I think that there's like a high expectation for black women and black girls in general just to like get it together. Do you know what I mean? Like figure it out. Yes. And I think the idea of telling versus doing is very, very different. And I'm a former kindergarten teacher, former, you know, elementary school teacher and an administrator, like a, um, a middle school administrator. And so the importance of showing and modeling is way more important than telling, you know? And so I think that moms get it right when they want to give you these kind of precautionary tales, but they don't give you the guidelines and the details. Right. It's kind of leaving you out there to make a lot of mistakes, the same ones that they wanted you to avoid. So my thoughts about that in general um, would be like, mom, you know, like I have a three-year-old daughter now and I actually take her to the bank with me and have her, you know, she can't write, right. but show her the slip and take her to the teller. I give her, give her the deposit slip to put, to give to the teller and explain to her what we're doing. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And so that is like you create these kind of experiences and joyful experiences at an early age so they can begin to um, internalize them. But for the, for those of us that didn't have that experience, I think what we can do now is use each other and use our resources. So we don't have to, you know, we don't have to continue to live um, in ignorance about our financial necessities and our financial next steps. I think having like these types of com conversations about like, hey, how do I begin to save? Hey, what's a simple thing I can do in the next 24 hours to begin to save? And I can tell you that right now. I think that you can take all the loose change that you find in your pocket, your purses, um, your couch, and find a bucket and put it in a bin or put the, put it in a bucket, and you've already started saving. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> yes, you, I love you, that. And then, and then you say, you know what? I'm a saver. Why? Because I just took like 20 cents that I found in between the couch, and I put it in a bucket. I'm the, at the beginning of my saving journey, period. Do you know wow. what I mean? Doesn't have to be. doesn't have to be some big scary thing like I'm putting a thousand away I'm putting 10k away no you start with what you have now and then you organize it so now you know that I call those financial freedom um, funds or financial freedom buckets and I put them in the places where I'm going to more than likely put the money so if you have a high traffic area was it like you put your your um you come home you put your your jacket off you take your jacket off you put your purse away whatever you have a table you put the mail down you know, put your coins in, put a, um, a financial freedom fund right there and put your coins in it. Do you know what I mean? Or if you're in the kitchen, like wherever, wherever your place is that you go to most that you know you're going to be able to carry that money um, or those coins, do it, you know, wow. and then that's the first step to begin saving. And you, you could do that. You could be doing it as you listen to this podcast. You could look around you and be like, yo, let me get my purse right now. How much change do I have? Let me find a, a, a bucket. It could be you like, a, you know, something that you, you a container. Why did I already start looking around though? I exactly. I literally started looking yeah. around. And it's true yeah. because I we get so like, oh, I'm going to start saving money when I have money. And it's right. like well that doesn't, you know, you start right. saving a, a dime at a time instead of that right. like I have to have $300 to put away into this account and it's it's so true. Right. Right. Huh. You don't have to be impressive. I think that's the most, I think because we do, I think as a culture, people look to a specific, specifically black women to be like trendsetters, popular, the eight girls, extroverted, all the answers, you know, sassy, this, that, and the other. But when it comes to our finances, we feel we have to have this, you know, we have to stand up, we have to live to this high expectation. And I think that sometimes makes us actually delay and procrastinate. And so the mm. next step when it comes to saving your money is just don't be so impressive. Do you know what I mean? Like, yo, I'm going to take this $3 that I got, you know what I mean? The change from the last purchase that I made, I'm also going to put it in this bucket. Do you know what I mean? Wow. And then you start to save, you start to save singles. And then you feeling really good about yourself. 
you go to your human resources person before Friday, you say, hey, I want you to start, if I haven't started saving for retirement, either get the company's match, you know what I mean? If you can get them to match, if they can match a certain amount. And if not, you start small, start with 2%. I want to start deducting 2% automatically to begin saving for retirement. And that's it. Do you know what I mean? Send yes. the email. You send don't the email have to be then, impressive. Yeah. No. I love I think that. that's part of it. Yeah, you don't have to be. That because is... ultimately, that's the sexiest way. Like, you get sexy as the years go. You know, you get more aggressive, you get more confident, and you get the numbers can grow, but you have to start someplace. And I think that is what keeps us from um, moving forward is because we feel like we have to do something really big. We don't. Wow. That is a word right there. You do not have to be impressive to save money. That is so true. Oh my God, I love that. Yes. So, speaking of that, I read some of your blogs and guys, if you haven't, just go to the frugalfeminista.com and it's such a beautiful website. I was talking about this before we started recording, um, but I was reading some of your blogs and one of my favorite that stuck out to me was the, you'll never convince me to stop buying lattes to build the wealth. And I think it's so funny because my $3 coffee that I get from Dunkin' Donuts every other day with a drip of uh, caramel and cream is not going to get me my financial freedom. <laughs> so, right. but there's, right. there's all like all of a sudden, and I think it's, you know, we're so like Instagram is like, stop buying coffee and you'll save $3,000. If you stop doing this little thing, you'll do blah, 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 blah. But right. I like how you broke it down because you said you applied the love versus the like rules to your purchase. Um, right. And like, I, I love getting my coffee. So that's one thing that I'm not going to stop doing. So can you just touch a little bit about that? That, um, you know, the $3 coffee is not the reason why you don't have financial freedom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just think that there's, in personal finance community, I think there's a lot of punitive, judgmental advice going out there. And they are more of the philosophy, you kinda, you're going to save your way into wealth instead of earning more money into wealth. Right. Now, there's so many ways that you can build wealth. You can save, you know, have a budget, which is important. You can, or you can earn more money, or you could do both, you know what I mean? Or you could do both very aggressively. And so, but there's only but so much you can save until you become to the point of being, um, you're depriving yourself of the joy of having money. And right. part, of the, part of money is to have, use money for pleasure. You know what I mean? Like, we're just not here to save for saving's sake and then die and then leave it to your leave it to your kids, your aunts to for philanthropy. Some of it, but not all of it. You want to enjoy it now in your present. Mm-hmm. And so I think what ends up happening is that um, rather than find ways to earn you money that can buy everyone a latte forever, <laughs> we try to be like scrimping and say uh, you know scrimping to the point where we're just not enjoying life. And so my and I used to be like that, so I understand like the. The thinking, the same amount of thinking that it takes for you to, um, you know, find a way to save $3 is the same amount of creativity you can use to find a way for you to earn a 1K, 2K a month, right? Mm. So the same way that you have this podcast, right? You can say, you know what? Let me get Dunkin' Donuts to sponsor an episode. Boom. You know what I mean? Yeah. There you go, right? Let me look at my closet and see what can I sell that I don't want that offers value to someone else. Boom. There you go. Do you know what I mean? Ten minutes, you open up a site. It doesn't have to be something that you can do. You have to do all the time. But you're going to think more like a business person instead of someone that is always thinking about how can I do with less. It's important to have boundaries and things like that. But for things when you're using the love or like philosophy, the the 
the cafe, the latte for a lot of us is symbolic of it helps me concentrate. It's part of my morning ritual. Right. I love the smells. It brings back memories. It it gives me a sense of purpose. I feel boss when I have this in my hand. Like all those things. Yes. Those are things that you should, those are things that you should not dismiss as like, well, that's not important. The idea is if it's that important to you, find a way to keep it and then find other things in your life that are not that important and eliminate those, right? Yes. And then on top of that, find ways to earn more income. Because I actually enjoy like yo, just like you, Delijah, I love my I love my teas, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I love cute little pens and journals. You know, I actually use them, so I'm not gonna buy ones that I don't use, but I'm not gonna deny myself a planner or a nice pretty pen um because it can save me ten dollars and ten dollars a year times twelve <laughs> months, hundred and twenty dollars. But I'm like, I hate the pen I'm writing with. Do you know what right, I mean? I right. like pen. Right. So you know what I mean? So I find like, what do I, what, what can I do with that? Like, I don't really love eating out. I do it for convenience. So I know I can eat in more, you know what I mean? So yes. there is a couple hundred, a couple thousand dollars there that I'm saving without stressing myself out, but I'm not giving up my tea. I'm not right. giving up my life. Right. right. Yeah. So it's just finding the balance. It really is the right. love versus the like rule. Yeah. That's yeah. so, so true. So you did say about, um, and this kind of ties into the whole the side hustle, the entrepreneur of, you know, you're not going to, you're never going to save uh, like all of this money with just one source of income. So can you touch a little bit about, you know, how you feel about side hustles and how you feel about entrepreneurs and the savings of the money, you know, because I, I am an entrepreneur. So my side hustle turned into my, my full hustle now. So right. Yeah. So how, how do you feel about the side hustle turning into the, 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 the main hustle and also the multiple sources of income so that you can t- continue to get the three dollar coffees? Right. No, I think I'm, I'm a proponent of it I, and I'm a proponent of it at the pace that makes the most sense for you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some people who side hustle until it becomes their main hustle. Um, and there's some people who side hustle and have their nine to five, and that's okay too. Um, what I do think, though, is that for any enterprise, like say with entrepreneurship, um, especially in the digital space that we're in, is that you have to have a strong backbone, or, or I would rather say, a strong set of systems and systems and structures that will support you to generate multiple streams of income. So, say for example, um, any any strong business is going to be one that generates income. So you have to think about what is it that you're doing and what are the various ways you can make a profit off of it. So if you have a product, can you make that product into a service or could you make that service, whatever you're creating, premium level, basic level and medium level, right? Mm. So you can take whatever it is that you're doing and do the same thing with it, but at different levels of of um, hands-on. Yes. So if you want someone to have a VIP, VIP experience, um, then it's going to cost more than someone just wants a basic experience. If someone doesn't need necessarily you to be necessarily part of the experience all the time, maybe a, a e-file or a book may be something more useful that can get to more people that doesn't have to exchange your time for money, but gives them what they need because they don't need much of they don't need too much of your um, your hands-on um, support there. Um, I think with anything, you definitely going to need support as well. I think. My transition into full-time entrepreneurship has been um, an interesting one because doing the Frugal Feminista part-time for so many years, I realized that, one, my nine-to-five was great, was a great source of funding, right? So I was able mm-hmm. to use money to get certain things in place. And it gives you time to make mistakes without too much of a right. – um, without – 
it coming back to you so um, the the, neg- the negative impact of it being so um, so so deep, right? So I would say you need assistance to do the administrative things that you may not want to do because you're too busy trying to think about the business. Right. And I think sometimes as entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs think they have to do everything. I don't necessarily like doing much of anything that doesn't have anything specifically to do with meeting new people to bring business in. Okay. So anything that I can delegate to other people and then follow up and create a system um, is what um, I give advice to in terms of entrepreneurship. And even the way that I got to meet you was like, okay, my system was if I'm at an event and I cannot meet anyone, what I do is I get a list of all the people that were there that I wanted to meet. And I send an email to them and I also send it on LinkedIn so they can get it. So we can contact each other. And then I set up a follow-up email. So that's a structure that I put in place that is not haphazard. It's very, very, methodical and deliberate and intentional so I make the connections no one else can do that for me I in terms of going out to the the networking event but the people that support me are the ones that will send out the email after I've told them who I want to be in connection with so you see like so I I so in terms of entrepreneurship I do I make those systems and structures very clear about who's going to do my outreach who's going to do social media um who's going to do my um my books Who's going to do the promotions? Um, who's going to do the updates for the site? And even if it's not, um, even if it's not an online thing, these same structures will carry you that carry over into a brick and mortar or whatever it is that you're doing because you can't run the business by yourself. Absolutely. You're going to need a team to support you, and so that's the biggest piece. And then from there, you can start having lots of ideas about different streams of income by just thinking, like I said earlier, about like. Um, taking a, a product and making it a service and then leveling up the services and then making products online, making them in different, um, different packaging. So something that could have been a PDF is now a video video could be a live event. Live event can be a retreat. You know what I mean? So you just right. go higher and higher and higher. So, um, and all those things are all have price tags, um, that you can offer value to your potential, um, your potential customers. Yes. So true. It's so true. And and I've talked about this before, but the, the delegating, if you are going to step into the role of the entrepreneur, it really is about <laughs> delegating because, and I learned this such the hard way <laughs> because <laughs> I, for some reason, thought I was Wonder Woman and mm-hmm. could do all of the things. And I say this all the time. I can barely turn on a computer, let alone <laughs> write a newsletter or let alone right. update my website. So yes, mm-hmm. there is that part of the, you know, if you want to be the entrepreneur and have the ideas and be the creative, you also have to have that team that is helping you out <laughs> to work with you. Right. Oh God, it's so right. true. Yes. Yep. So besides the, the, the blogging you do, you are mm-hmm. an, also an author. You are um, a consultant. You are a coach. You are just like doing all of the things. And I wanted to talk about the, one of your latest books was how I healed my relationship with money. And, yes. um, and just kind of talk about the, the, you, you wrote that the, there was like kind of the three, the three R's of that relationship with the money. And I just got it from your blog. I'm definitely going to get your book, like literally as soon as probably we get off of this, cause I really want to read the book. But, um, mm-hmm. what, where, where did this like come from of the, how did I heal my relationship with money? Because so many of us do have this, this hurt and hang up over money. And like, it's this evil thing, um, Can you talk about like the three R's of it? Yeah. So um, how it started was just like we all have a relationship with money. Sometimes we're not even aware of it. And I think growing up with my mom who, you know, she 
passed down some of her money anxiety and some of her um, her money sadness just because of what money represented to her in her um, relationship that ended in a way ended in divorce and separation and she wasn't expecting that and so I think as her daughter I tried to be as obedient as possible make her life very easy by doing and doing without and depriving myself of many things and mm-hmm. I think that was her way of also holding on to maybe the bit of dignity that she felt she had left um, because of the divorce and because of her abandonment and so all that kind of permeated other parts of my life like when I was in relationships I was withholding withholding to myself I always had to second guess that I had a need and like well I don't need that I can do without it but I was thinking why why the hell am I doing without it when I need it do I mean where that thinking come from and so I think in the three steps of of understanding where your relationship is um, is recognition like do you notice what your what your current money beliefs are like when you approach buying, when you approach saving, when you approach spending something or investing or giving to others or with the opposite sex or a loved one or family members, what are some of the thoughts that go through your mind and what are some of the feelings like within your body that you feel when you're, you know, dealing with money and dealing with um, those people in your lives? Wow. You're able to begin to recognize, wow, I'm not getting a, a, a happy sensation or even like a neutral sensation. I'm getting a lot of anxiety headaches, sweats, you know, all of those kinds of things, you can begin to say, okay, I really realize that I have a lot of unpacking to do when it comes to money um, and this particular aspect of my life. And then the second step is re-examining, like, why is it that I do what I do when it comes to money? And in my case, um, I had to think about, like, where did I learn that spending was bad? When did I learn that spending was harming someone that I cared for? Where did I learn that money men aren't to be trusted with money? When did I learn that, you know, it's it's never good to kind of attend to your needs because they can also, you know, because they could be too you're 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 too needy or something like that, right? Mm. And so to re-examine where did these ideas come from um, and then begin to say, huh, if I if I continue with these beliefs will I become the person I want to be in the next couple of years or even the next couple of days? Like, will I continue to carry this, um, this financial identity that serves me or no longer serves me, that helps me or no longer helps me? And then the, the, the third R is the redefining or redefinition. And so in the other phases, you, you ask you questions like, you know, why do I do this? Why do I believe this? What am I believing? And then this redefinition is like, now what? What do I do next, right? Mm. So you begin to redefine and say, okay, if I had this belief that men aren't to be trusted with money, how can I redefine that? Because I want to get married one day and have a trusting relationship. So why do I redefine that thinking and flip it into something that's affirming, um, something that's um, positive, something that's actually not so irrational. So I can take that same idea and say, okay, I used to believe that men, all men shouldn't be trusted with money, but I now choose to believe that some men can be trusted with money and I trust myself to choose the person that I'm going to marry that I can trust them with money. You know what I'm saying? So you begin to redefine um, those negative beliefs into something that's more rational and more thoughtful and more useful for the future self that you want to be. And even like say something like spending is irresponsible, spending makes you sad, you can redefine it and say, 
spending does not make me sad. Spending, um, we need to spend, you know, for pleasure. Spending can be, um, spending can give you pleasure, but spending um, can be done to make other people happy as well. And maybe overspending is irresponsible. Not spending is irresponsible, right? Mm. Um, so you begin to tease apart what the general ideas that people have that are general blanket statements that really don't have much value to anyone. You know, they don't wow. serve anybody, especially you. So those are like the three R's when it comes to um, kind of healing your relationship with money and, and going through just like a quick process of like, why do I feel this? Where did it come from? And now that I know I don't want to feel that, what do I, how do I change it? Yes, yes, that's beautiful. And and also, it's it's so funny because I... I, I went to therapy for, you know, several reasons, but the, the money thing did come up in therapy and like what my relationship was with money. So that I think also like instead of placing it in one box, you know, and saying like, well, this is money and this is what I talk about over here, but this is everything mm-hmm. else. It's like, how do I fuse these things together to really get to yeah. it? Because it's so much more than just this is money. This is it's a part of who you are and you mm-hmm. know, your upbringing definitely does change how you do look at it. So it's so true, right. you know, like yeah. my, and it's fine. I, my parents, I was very, the only child that got everything all the time and mm-hmm. growing up, I used to think sometimes that, Oh, I can get everything all the time, but <laughs> I cannot mm-hmm. get everything all the time. So I really did have right. to redefine what that was and what it looked like and what it made me feel like when I would go shopping or when I couldn't get things or when I, you know, changed my, my narrative of even realizing I actually don't like stuff. I like, I'm not right. like a shopper, you know, I'm not, I'm not that person. I'm more of an experienced type of person. So it's like a vacation right. is so much more to me than a new pair of shoes. So yeah, there is right. a, there's a lot to be said with that in the book. It just seems like it's going to be so amazing. I'm so excited to read that on top of that book. What other books have you actually written? Oh, um, I've written another, I wrote two more books. One is called The Happy Finances Challenge. And we, you know, one of the big things on the site is me trying to help women, uh, myself, you know, just be happy in general. And like one of the areas in all areas of your life and in particular with money. And so a lot of times we don't see the words happy and finances together, but that's what I'm trying to do is to challenge us to have happier finances and have like make peace um, with money on um, where you are. And that book is basically a six week um, journey towards in six areas of your personal finances. How do you um, how do you make sense of those areas? And it's a it's a challenge as well. Um, I can send you the link too, so everyone can have the, the free challenge where I go over a money mindset. Um, how do you organize your finances? How do you get out of debt? Um, how do you begin a side hustle um, that is passion-based? Um, how do you set financial boundaries with friends and family? And um, I forgot the other, there's a money mindset, oh, and budgeting and an emergency fund. So those are the six areas of your personal finances that I give you um, seven days of life work, which is kind of homework, but my, my term for life work, because no one's checking for your homework, no one's going to check it to make sure right. it's right, but in real world you really see if you're what you've done is actually having an impact right yes. so there's like small tasks and activities for you to do every day um to really mark and make really think deeply about your um how you're handling your money in all these areas wow. and so that's um yeah it's like basically 42 days of internal and external work when it comes to your money with the hope 
and goal that you have a sense of ease and a sense of peace with your money by the end of the challenge. Wow. So that's that book. Yeah, and, and the, the first book I wrote was Unmasking the Strong Black Woman, um, and it's helping us have emotional and financial, um, at that time I was using the word juiciness a lot in our life, like a lot of juiciness. <laughs> and so it's basically a, a composition of essays where we talk about black women and how, because of we were talking about the various influences in our lives about that create our money narrative, but we also don't think that the role of being a black woman in America, um, gender and race, contribute to the expectations that we play in our communities and what the financial implications are for our happiness um, and the financial implications are for our wallets just as a bottom line. And so those essays are around helping us make better decisions about what brings me joy, how do I want to feel for the year, what do my finances look like? What did I even share in the book, an essay on um, just having some of my my time in therapy and how, you know, I had seasonal affective depression, you know, and like, what does that mean? And having money set aside when you need to get away. Do I mean I needed to get the hell out of New York for a little while because the weather just kind of gets me in in my blues. So what that means financially, how can you pivot to make sure that you're attending to your self-care? So that was, those are are the other two books I have. And I really write them from, like, I use myself as a guinea pig. I really, and I love myself as a black woman. I love other black women. and And I, they've been, been, the feedback has been very positive about how impactful it's been in easy and relatable um terms it's not like over speak i'm not speaking over you on top of you i'm speaking to you like we're at a dinner table we're at the kitchen table we're talking over tea about like yeah girl my life is a hot ass mess and this is how i got it together (laughs) you know right 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 yes wow wow so this takes us into the dear delijah dear delijah um where do i start to get out of debt so that is a question that I'm sure you get all the time. Uh, and I, I, you've answered it a few times, but wh- there's no like key to it. But where, where do I start to get out of debt? Yeah, I think um, it starts with a decision, I'm going to get out of debt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I will say first, make a decision that you're going to do it. And then second is create like a timeline for yourself. But before you can even create a timeline, it's important for you to get organized. So how much debt do you actually have? You know, Mm -hmm. so figure out how much that you have. So if that means taking uh, an afternoon to get all your statements, um, get all the um, letters and the mail to figure out what are my actual balances um, to do so. And I even have like um, I created a a resource called the Wealthy Woman's Blueprint Financial Planner. We can actually do that as well. But it doesn't have to be that one. It could be anything. It could be a piece of paper. But you jot down all of your debts and you get a total of the amount of debts that you have. And then once you're able to do that you're able to step back and say okay now I can create um, mini goals around the debt because sometimes it could be so overwhelming you're not really trying to get that bottom number you're trying to get the first debt so the way I got of debt was that I said okay you know what let me pay the one with the smallest balance first because it makes my life feel good makes me emotionally feel like I've won and so I just pay off the first balance I'll find the money and this is when the sacrifices will, will benefit you so if you could do without whatever it is that you realize you don't care about and put the money towards that if you can sell something if you can um find the extra money around the house, you do that and you pay that bill off. And then you move systematically from one bill to the other. 
um, and adding the extra amount of money from the previous bill that you no longer have to the new balance mm. so you can get it paid off more quickly. So that's the, I mean, that's the simplest way. And like I said before, the, you, you can only make money by either eliminating um, costs, like, like slash saving money, or earning more money or doing both aggressively. Um, and so those are the ways that you can get out of debt and you just kind of wash and repeat or rinse and repeat, as they yes, say, yeah. the process until you're out of the debt. Oh, and you can also ask people that owe you money to give you back your, <laughs> give you back your money so you can pay your debt. So you can use Venmo to get your money back, Zeal, whatever it is. Like, give you your money so you can pay back some of your debt. So, I mean, those are like the last resorts because people are probably not going to pay you if they haven't paid you yet. But, you know, you'd be maybe be surprised but if you're going to take it into your own hands. Um, I would use that as a structure of um, organizing, identifying, and then systematically eliminating through either saving, through um, earning more money, or doing both, but doing both aggressively. Yes, yes, yeah, I'm here for yeah. that. Love it, mm-hmm. love it. So this takes us into, I sing, I sing the theme song of this, so don't laugh. And I haven't sang it for a while, guys. But you know what time it is? It's our boom, 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 boom. It's the get 'em goals. It's the get 'em goals. Hey, hey, it's the get 'em goals. All right. So if this is your first time listening to this podcast, the get 'em goal is the goal that the guest on the show gives the listeners to follow for the week, with the hope and the intention that this will become a lifestyle goal. So. Carol, what is your get em goal for our listeners? I'm going to repeat what I said earlier. Is I begin saving, right? Mm-hmm. So find yourself a little financial freedom bucket. You can decorate it. You can put an affirmation on it. And find all the loose change in your house, in your purses, and you are going to save. Um, that it, That is the easiest and the best step for you to begin to identify as a saver. And I'm just going to add the extra step is like identify as a money magnet. So when you put that money in, you're like, no, 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 I'm not a I, money comes to me easily. Whatever affirmation you want to use yes. to get you changing your money mindset. So let your actions and your words align. And that's a simple way to do it. Yes, that is a perfect get them goal. I'm going to get my little my little jar. I'm really yes. going to do this. I'm so here for this. I support this get em goal all day long. So, <laughs> Kara, thank you so, so much for being on the episode. You are such a delight and you are such a phenomenal, amazing, kick-ass black woman. And it's so great to meet you. And the universe just really decided that we needed to meet each other. And I can't wait to actually work with you further because uh, you have some really cool ideas that are cooking up. Um, so, can you tell everyone where they can find you on all of the platforms? Yes. Um, you can go to my site, The Frugal Feminista. Um, you'll find me there. And if you have an email, it's Kara, K-A-R-A, at The Frugal Feminista. I'm on Instagram, Frugal Feminista, Twitter, Frugal Feminista, and on Facebook, The Frugal Feminista. Yes. Uh, yes. Got it. Yes. And you have a newsletter that comes out. So on top of the, you have the newsletter, you have the trainings, you have the blogs, you have the books. Guys, there's no way that we should not be getting our financial freedom um, all through Miss Frugal Feminista. Yes. So thank you so, so much again, friends. I will be chatting with you guys later. I'm on my way to London. All the things are happening. But guys, until next time, be courageous, be sexy, be strong. Talk to you later. Bye.